Hey everyone, and welcome back to Coffee and Cannabis, the series where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In this episode, I'm talking to Nicholas Sosiak, the CFO at Canera Biotech. In the episode, we talk about the battle between suits and legacy growers and how the best companies have them working in harmony together. We talk about the problems of having saturated genetics in the market and how Canera Biotech is standing out. And we talk about how cannabis culture differs in Quebec and why they were relatively slow to adopt cannabis 2.0 products. Please enjoy. So again, thanks for joining me, Nicholas Sosiak. Uh, I'm glad to have you on. My pleasure. Thank you, Alexi. Yeah, I wanted to. Um, I just wanted to start off and you know, kind of get to know a little bit more about yourself, where where you've came from. Of course, like a lot of us, we don't always think that we're going to end up in the cannabis industry. So, for yourself, you got involved in in business school. What what interested you in business, and sort of where did your early career go from there? Yeah, so I mean, I'll start back for early on. Uh, I always knew I wanted to be in business. Um, just straight up to uh, and when I went in college, uh, they had a business program there uh, where I kind of touched upon marketing and accounting and all that. And when I, uh, I, I did marketing classes, I was really, I liked the marketing aspect. I like, you know, creating brands and creating ideas and understanding how consumers react to those, um, to, to the ideas that we create. Um, so so that, that got me interested. And then I, I had an accounting class and I was just getting like straight 99% on all my tests <laughs> in accounting. It was just like, everyone was like pulling their hair out and I was like, this is, this is too simple. Like it's the debits and credits. So uh, then, I, then I, I said, okay, I finished college and I was like, okay, well, what's the next step into university? And I could either went into a major marketing or a major in accounting. And when I looked at the future paths of what's after university, uh, there was more opportunity in, in accounting, mm. uh, especially with a CPA um, designation, which gives you a very well-rounded, um, you know, competencies. And I went to McGill. I did my CPA program. Um, I worked for, you know, KPMG, Ernst & Young. Um, and then uh, after I uh, got my CPA degree, uh, I got poached by one of my clients at the time in the real estate sector. Uh, and it, it real estate interested in me. It, it was cool. It was, it was interesting, but I didn't have it didn't have that passion you know like it uh, it was interesting it was fun i was learning business i worked my up from uh, a controller to vice president of accounting ran the company uh, all my bosses left the company i took over uh, so it was fun because i was building i was i was at that point i was able to implement strategies and, and really run a company from top to bottom um, and then i was kind of in that limbo uh, but between then and there i mean i've always been a cannabis guy uh, cannabis connoisseur, um, you know, that, that's what I have passion for. I, I just love reading about it. I love enjoying the experience. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy the strains, searching for strains, searching for the flavors, understanding all about cannabis. So yeah. uh, when in 2016, 17, when, uh, you know, Trudeau announced the federal legalization, that's when I started like, okay, maybe I could get into this yeah. cannabis industry. I've always wanted to be right. in the cannabis industry, but I, I, I was, I, I took the, the, you know, the, the legal approach and mm. I was, I had, uh, I had, uh, you know, I had a good uh, credentials under my belt. So I, I went through that path. And then when it got, uh, when, when, you know, cannabis became legalized in Canada, that's, that's kind of where I saw the opportunity. I didn't know exactly know where, so I started just investing and, mm -hmm. and looking 
uh, through, uh, you know, uh, analyzing companies like Afria and Hexo and TGOD and all those uh, Canadian LPs. And um, uh, so I started investing really early on, was successful. Uh, but then, you know, I was very passionate about the industry. So I also held on and then went through that, uh, the downtrend of that, that point. Um, but at that same time, I had some friends uh, that were getting hired by a company, Canera, um, mm-hmm. uh, here in Montreal. Didn't really know uh, that they were existing. They weren't there in the map, but mm-hmm. um, you know, some a friend got hired, um, and uh, and I said, let me talk to find me somebody mm-hmm. in the company. Let me talk to him. Uh, and uh, I, I uh, so I got it was the CFO at the time, and he gave me. Uh, he said he couldn't hire me at the time. I was uh, VP Finance. I was re- I was ready to even step down as a mm-hmm. as a senior accountant just right. to take the job, uh, and then work my way up. And then uh, it came around Q2 of 20. Uh, it was 2019 or 2020, I can't mm-hmm. remember, uh, where I joined the company um, right before uh, uh, we started. Uh, we got our cultivation license, and activity started moving for the company. So they really mm-hmm. needed to beef up their finance to department and uh, that's when I joined the company and then from that day on I just took over the finance department got that up to date and then uh, worked my myself into operation strategy and uh, you know just running the whole company and, and implementing all our brands and stra- strategies that is quite the journey and something I'm really curious about is you know this is obviously this is a very young industry and coming from KPMG and Ernest and Young how did it look from from a financial and operations standpoint in cannabis compared to, you know, these established companies that, that you worked with before? Yeah. So it was definitely, uh, you had to swallow the bullet in terms of understanding that you're going into an industry where there was a lot of deal flow and a lot of money coming mm-hmm. into the industry. So there was a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got, it got me excited, you know, seeing how much money was getting and how much, you know, how giving all the ability to these companies to mm-hmm. do pretty much anything they want right. to with the, the <laughs> amount of like we could have had a, a, you know a cannabis industry like 10x uh us if you know the right people were deploying it mm. um but unfortunately so much money um went to the industry and got burnt um and then that's kind of where uh, it reality hit me and said look like we just need to be very very cautious it's mm. the, here in this industry everyone was running right away and i mean we're, we're taught from early early on that you need to crawl walk one right um, so we're crawling right now. We're, we just got up. We're, we're about to run. Um, we just got our uh, sales license in early 2021, and uh, we started uh, hitting um, the market in Quebec with our SKUs uh, in February 2021, nice. and we're delivering weekly. Uh, the market uh, offtake is is incredible. Mm. Um, very positive comments. So it just shows that you know if you really know what you're doing, passion, love, mm. uh, hard work, uh, money. Uh, could get you there. Yeah. And when you talk about passion, I know there, there's a lot of talk about people being involved in the legacy market, people really knowing their cannabis and people being, you know, right for the industry that way. But then there's a lot of people that say, you know, suits don't belong in cannabis. And I remember in our initial conversation, you said, well, I am a suit and I am someone that's, that's you know, a cannabis connoisseur. So do you, do you think that's true that suits don't belong in cannabis? Do you think there are cases where you found that that is true? I mean, that's just without every stereotype and generalization, right? So uh, you could say if you put the definition of suit and with Mm -hmm. no cannabis experience and trying to apply their business knowledge and their past Mm -hmm. industry experience to the cannabis industry, it's not going to work. And that's exactly what happened, right? Um, And then if you just give the reins to the black market legacy growers or whatever you want to call them, 
you're also going to have a shit show. They right. don't know how to run, a, you know, a huge operation like that. Hmm. So you need to marry both. You know, you need you need you need suits that are open-minded, uh, or you, and you need the, the the legacy growers that are open-minded, and they need to work together. Or you hmm. find somebody that did both. I agree, and I find that the companies that were mostly suits that involved. I mean, you, you talked about being an early investor. And if you know, you you and I invested in the same companies, we saw a uh, <laughs> quite a big dip from from its peaks and you know, the the cannabis stock hysteria. But I think a lot of these companies were mostly founded by these suits that were mostly looking at this from you know, a CPG play and thinking that um, we can just throw as much money as we can at it, and we're going to succeed. And you you made a really great point about you need to kind of marry the concept of, of being a, a passionate about cannabis, but also being business savvy. And I think the companies that do that are, are really going to succeed. Um, so, you know, on, on, on kind of the topic of, of suits and cannabis, have you found that working in cannabis, the type of people that you deal with at a high level are different than the type of people you dealt with at KPMG, Ernest and Young? So, I mean, early on, I think there was a change and it's going to happen. It's still changing. There's still a turnover. All the kind of early CEOs and suits that kind of, you know, started the, these companies, I don't think they were, you know, business savvy people. Mm. So although they might be, you know, in, in a term called a suit, they, sure. they're not they're not professional suits. They're right. not experienced suits. So it's a, or, or they were a bit, an entrepreneur business owner that was running something and probably had a legacy grow and then start and then went and became CEO. So they might have, you know, the operational experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but when it comes to more of the professionalism, um, I find it's lacking like the deals that, you know, you can, in other industries, when you strike a deal, the deal is solid, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, here it's, it's just a bunch of back and forth and we agree. And then mm -hmm. you get the stock and it's nothing like a, you know, it's nothing like that, that you, you guys agreed to. Right. So there's a lot, there's still a lot of kind of opposite of transparency in the industry right now. And, and eventually, you know, we the industry needs the suits and the professional suits mm. to to grow mm. um it just like i said before they just need to marry and they need to respect the people on the ground and the people that are running the operation right. so if that happens and it, i mean it'll it won't happen in some companies and mm. it'll happen in other companies mm. um but uh, yeah i do see that lack of professionalism lack of you know uh, clarity for coming mm. from these individuals and uh, hopefully it changes as you know these comp companies mature and they bring in you know more experienced people mm. and then the people on the ground also grow and you know become well respected yeah. to be able you know to be able to speak to the suits and and mm. be able to help them you know run the business yeah it's really interesting that Sometimes when I've had conversations with cannabis professionals um, and we get to speaking of, oh, you know, are you a cannabis user yourself? Like, what products do you like? And if they say they don't use cannabis, I find I almost get an instant disconnect. And I don't want to say my respect towards them, but maybe they're how much they really understand cannabis, uh, you know, as an industry. Yeah. You're hundred percent right to have. You're hundred percent right to have that feeling. Like, I mean, I I don't think if I wasn't in this company, and I'm not saying that you know I'm, I'm instrumental to, uh, to to everything that's been done here, uh, but you know, if I didn't have that understanding of what consumers want, what cannabis is about, uh, it would have been totally opposite, right? Yeah. Like, I, I just totally from agree. the strain, just just from the strain selection. I mean, that mm. happened a year ago, right? Yeah. And we're in operations. If the strain selections were done 
you know, you didn't know cannabis, you took, uh, you know, you took a gorilla glue, you took uh, all the generic strains that are that are been tortured in the market, and you write, you build your company around that. Well, you're stuck with that for like a year and a half, right? <laughs> right. There's no moving around. And then you're, you know, and then you have these companies that did that. And now they have to go buy, they built these greenhouses and yeah. indoor facilities. And now they have to go buy genetics and plants from other facilities other companies like i have calls every single day that want to buy my plants i'm mm -hmm. like no <laughs> you know like we, we 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 put that thought in at the beginning right, right so right so so i think uh, it is very i have the same feeling if you know if i talk to somebody that never you know consumed cannabis doesn't understand cannabis and tries to um speak to it it's a bit mm -hmm. dif difficult mm -hmm. but but there's exceptions yeah there's exceptions which is my ceo Never, ever, mm. ever, ever touched a cannabis, didn't understand it, but built this business mm -hmm. and he's our master grower now. Um, so he, you know, if you put your mind to it, mm. you have passion, he has passion for this. Mm. He, he puts his mind to it. And he, if you're open-minded mm. and you don't just, you know, want to lay on what you believe in, um, if you're open-minded and, and willing to understand, then, I mean, it's not rocket science too, right? Yeah. I could sit down with uh, uh, somebody in, in less than two, three days, mm -hmm. they're going to be, uh, you know, just as... Uh, as a connoisseur in cannabis uh, as myself, right? Yeah. So, um, it, it's, so it depends. Uh, generally, again, another generaliz generalization, yes, but there's some exceptions. Mm. I, I can at least attest to it to myself. I'm in a sales executive role, but I'm not a natural born salesman. Like I'm, I'm not slick. I'm not like, I'm a more introverted guy, but what I do know is cannabis. I know, and I know the plant, I know the medicine behind it. I understand the market and I can speak to it confidently. And I think when it comes to being able to sell, if you understand the product, you don't have to be, you don't have to be an MBA. You don't have to be, you know, 15 years of sales experience. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, I, I felt that a lot um, when talking yeah. to other people. Um, and that's exactly what mm -hmm. I mean when it's the next leg up. Like we have all these people that have this passion mm. um, that are willing to do anything right. and everything and right. they're doing great jobs at it, right? You're probably a great salesperson, mm. but imagine if you were a salesperson. Mm. Imagine if you had, you know, so in three years, four years when you get the training or whatever, mm -hmm you're going to just be uh, rocking it out, right? Right. So, Compounding interest, um, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, talking about market saturation, there. if you go on the OCS or, or you know, any of the provincial websites and you type in Pink Kush, you're going to see something like 30 to 40 SKUs. Um, where, where do you think the market is at right now? And how are you guys doing things differently? So they're all realizing that genetics do matter <laughs> right. and um, that uh, and, and choice, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're a cannabis consumer. We like our genetics. Mm -hmm. so you like a certain genetic, but even though it's the, it's going to be fire and it's going to mm -hmm. be the best one, we want choice, right? We want experiment. We want to, we want to venture into, uh, you know, all these flavors and science behind it. So um, that, that's kind of where we built tribal, uh, mm -hmm. our, our brand, um, which is really focused on genetic rotation, mm -hmm. uh, premium quality, but genetic rotation. So we're launching with four different, um, uh, or we launched with gelato mint and we're going to bring in, uh, three or four genetics over the course of, uh, this year. And, and 
in order to sustain that brand, you need to pheno hunt, mm. right? You need to continuously mm. bring in new genetics and pheno hunt and find them. And it's not just it's not just taking you know a seed and planting it and right. calling it your genetic, right? right, um, right. We, we planted over to get the gelato mint number five that we have. We planted over 100 seeds of gelato mint and mm. went through four, probably 20 to 30 grows uh, before we you know selected number five, right? Mm. Um, so so it's a long process and unfortunately. You need the genetics for it, and and you can't buy genetics in right. in, in the industry state, right? right so, right. Um, can I was able to take advantage of the amnesty where you, you bring in um, uh, genetics uh, from the legacy market, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a bank of um, three to four hundred um, uh, genetics to continuously, uh, you know, produce, and and then you know we have an opportunity to breed our own, right? Mm. And. When you guys are growing, a lot of people say that you can't grow to scale and still maintain quality. How many, like how big is your grow and do you think that statement is true? So um, we have 18 grow rooms. They're 2,000 square feet each, about Mm -hmm. 1,500 plants per room. Um, Mm -hmm. And... To grow at scale, you just need to you need the you need to have that process, right? Mm. So uh, I, I I wouldn't be able to make that claim because you just look to the the U.S. market mm-hmm. and you have these you know Jungle Boys and yeah. uh, Cookies yeah, and all yeah, these yeah. guys which are catering to uh, you know the California is just the size of Canada, mm. right? So. Um, you know, they're catering to like three, four, five markets and, you know, people are loving their products and mm. their, uh, you know, quads, right? Right. It's funny you mentioned California because if you compare California market to Canada and you say, you know, we're both 35 million people, but I, I would also argue that there's a lot more cannabis consumers in California in those 35 million than in Canada. And in one of today's topics I want to touch on, you know, you being a Montreal grower is what's up with Quebec? And how does cannabis culture kind of shape them? And where does the market differ um, from the rest of Canada? Yeah, so Quebec is unique. Um, We're very price conscious over here. Mm -hmm. Um, So although we want quads and we want the BC stuff and we want the Cali stuff, a lot of people are just not prepared to pay it. Hmm. Um, that it's just, and that's, and I think that's where you know we didn't. Our culture here didn't evolve as much as it did in BC yeah. and Ontario and, and and Cali. It's just that they're not ready to pay the premium prices, so they're not able to experience and they're not able to enter the culture. Interesting. Um, so, so that that's where we saw that opportunity, mm-hmm. and we're about to change that. Where we're like, okay, well, is price is the most important, and then quality right. second. Right. Let's focus on price. Yeah. Let's keep that quality, and we should hit the nail on the head and yeah. bring the culture to them. So right. now people are, you know, the Quebec people are going to be smoking gelato mints. Mm-hmm. They're going to be smoking uh, Sunday drivers, Scotty Biscotti, Dositos. Mm. They've never smoked anything. Like that. <laughs> They've never smoked anything like that. Right. So, so that's that's where also like I think you know the hype and if you look on social media and you, you just write tribal gelato mint or any of our brands, yeah. like it's just like feeds feeds and feeds a positive review. Um, is because it's it's a, you know Quebec people never had it's that brand right. New. So in Ontario and in, in BC, mm-hmm. probably our product would have hit hit really well, mm. but you know it didn't smack them like it did uh, here in Quebec, right? Right. And, you know, I find it funny that the SQDC says that they captured about 50% of the, the black market sales since October 2018. Um, but yet there are 444 stores here in Ontario and only 61 in Quebec. Um, yeah. You also mentioned resistance towards cannabis 2.0 products. Is, has that limited and stunted adoption of, of legal cannabis in Quebec? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the whole, I'm not sure how much the percentage uh, of Canada of, of vapes and oils makes up, but I, I'll tell you, it's a pretty big percentage. Mm. Uh, dry flowers course is probably 70, 80%, but mm. a good, tw- you know, 20, 30% of all this is not, yeah. is not captured right yeah. now because, you know, we have dabs, we have oils, we have vapes that are not, uh, not going to the market. And then mm. you also, on top of that, you have um, 30% uh, a THC buffer on it. So, um, right. you can't, you know, you, you can't bring in these types of products that, that are, you know, that the black market's mm-hmm. looking for. So mm-hmm. I'm confident there's less, you know, the SQDC has, has underestimated how much of the black market here is in, in Quebec. I, I think so. And, but you guys have at least vapes, right? Nope. No vapes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> how does that make any sense? And, yeah, yeah. uh, that's, that's frustrating because there is a market for it. Um, as much as someone like you know i love dried flour but there's something about the discreteness and portability of having the vapes that there there's a huge market for it and with the adoption of live live resin carts and as people start to innovate in in the vape space it would seem like a no-brainer so i I really wonder why the quebec government is so resistant towards towards that 2.0 We're very conservative here, and I think mm-hmm. the the scare uh, back what in twenty eighteen, I think mm-hmm. it was, uh, of all the vapes and uh, right. PG uh, and lung yeah, PG yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. When 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 they know that Health Canada doesn't allow PG in it, right. but, but so uh, <laughs> yeah. it, we're just very conservative. We 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 like to take a wait and see approach. Mm-hmm. So see if you know what's happening in in Ontario and mm-hmm. BC, and see if there's any cases and if it's going, and then um, you know we'll 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 change that hopefully. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I hope to be one of the companies that assist in, in changing that. Um, I know one. there's two barriers. One is vapes. Uh, we can't have vapes and all that. And then the other thing is 30%. So how do you make, right. you know, there's two barriers. How, how do you make a vape, a good vape that's 30% below yeah, yeah, THC? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you, I would have to, you know, put a lot of... Uh, what the, the industry calls contaminants, which is just basically mm. plant material right. um, when you're when you're doing your washes. So mm. um, how does that benefit uh, anybody? I, uh, yeah, exactly. It yeah. doesn't. Uh, so it, it forces companies to reduce the quality. But um, we took a we kind of what you were saying before. We took an, an innovative approach mm. where we're using CBD to um, to increase the mm. th- uh, the cannabinoid count. Mm. So my vape carts that I'm working on are live rosin carts, thirty mm. percent um, THC with about 50 percent CBD. So I'm still I'm still hitting the you know the eighty ninety percent um, cannabinoid. Mm. But in a different matter, and and honestly, no one has ever smoked that in the black market right. either, right? I've, I've I've never seen carts like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I think that's something that I could bring to the market and uh, hopefully change it to help Quebec realize that it's not, um, you know, it's not dangerous yeah. and and it's a new product that not even the legacy users are. Yeah, I I I get such a headache at people being so obsessed with that percentage and ignoring yeah. CBD and ignoring terpenes. Do you think that that's going to change as well, and people are going to? you know, start moving away from that high THC flower. Yeah. And then, and that's where Canara also took that. I saw that, uh, you know, the market was asking for it and mm-hmm. was not getting it. Right. Um, so Canara took, uh, you know, took the opportunity to put the harvest aid on the packaging, mm-hmm. um, the terpene profile onto packaging. Mm-hmm. So, so now consumers can navigate more than the THC. The reason why they chose THC, it's frustrating, but right. you have to give them the benefit. You have to give them, 
this is the only way they can navigate, right? right? If, right. if you, you walk into the store, uh, you, you just told me I have 30 pink cushions. Okay, mm-hmm. how do I choose a 30 pink cushion? I can't look at the button. <laughs> right. I can't, I, I can't trust the company because right, right. they're, you know, like, there's maybe one or two companies that I can trust and they're like $50 a gram, mm-hmm. a gram anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I have to, you know, I have to, where I can afford it, I have 30 choices and I don't know what. So I'm going to go with, mm-hmm. the only benchmark I have is THC. I'm going to go with the highest THC because hopefully it's going to be the better one, mm-hmm. right? But then if you introduce... Uh, harvest date mm-hmm. on the packaging. Mm-hmm. Now I have 30 pink cushions, one harvested right. last week and the other one harvested 10 years ago or whatever. <laughs> so, this pink cushion, yeah. I don't know what these companies are producing, but the, it seems like they produced it 10 years ago. Mm. Um, so, 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 yeah, I think that's, that's, that's where we'll, uh, we'll, we'll differentiate ourselves yeah. too by understanding and, and giving consumers uh, more information to navigate mm. um, so that they can be educated and make the choices more so than just THC because terpenes mean just as much as THC. How do you feel about listing harvest dates? Because if you ask me, what I see is going to happen is that people are going to, of course, you know, if I present you two options, like I said, oh, this is a pinkush from 1602 or this one is harvested last month. I'm, of course, going to choose the most recent one. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to have this oversupply of of bud that's older, you're not rotating the product. Do you see that being a problem or do you, do you have a solution of, of maybe how we could fix that? Well, we're running on the approach that if you give quality product at a great price, mm. you're not going to have overstock. Right. Um, and we're seeing that right now. So mm. as long as we are very careful in our economics mm. and we make sure that the, the demand line and the pre- supply mm. line and the, you know, the price line is, is aligned, mm-hmm then I'm trying to build a just-in-time company here. Yeah. Um, that's what cannabis is, right? The people don't want to smoke three-months-old cannabis. Right. They want to smoke it fresh. Right. Um, so if I can create a process or uh, and, and be able to sell my stock just in time, then mm. I shouldn't have any inventory overstock. Mm. Um, there's other alternatives to use the product. Mm. I mean, you can either go to different markets. Let's say if, for us, if Quebec is our primary market, mm. um, you know, maybe we sell things that are less than a month old or uh, to on Quebec and two months old is, is, you know, the rest of Canada or whatever. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, we want to be very consistent across, uh, across all markets. So most likely the approach that if that does happen, which, you know, it's not in our plans to, to happen is that there's derivative that you can use for the products, right? So right. we can make it into hash, we can make it into pre-rolls, uh, which, which harvest date doesn't matter as much. Right. Hmm. And, for you, who who's succeeding right now? And sorry, you can't say yourself, but who else in the market do you think is doing a good job? And do you have any products that, that you think stand out? Well, I mean, I definitely have to give a shout out to Broken Coast. Uh, there's, yes. no, there's no doubt about it. Those were those were my darlings when I was an investor into, <laughs> into the cannabis world. I, Broken Coast definitely knows what they're doing. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they got the process down. They're smaller scale. Uh, you know, if they can just figure out how to how to uh, scale that. Yeah. Um, then, then they're they're good, but you know, I, I think uh, Flower One is producing some good stuff. Uh, they're 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 on the uh, up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, Bazam Cannabis is one of our partners. Um, they're, oh, great. they're 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 producing some fire out in uh, BC and Ontario. Mm. Um, and then some some of the smaller players. There's micro growers uh, out there that that are uh, succeeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, there's, there's a couple of companies in the mid space, the larger space. I, I mean, I'm not going to like out of the larger spaces. Mm-hmm. I think Afria is going to be the one that's going to be successful. Yeah. Um, they, 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 
they didn't they weren't as aggressive in the beginning mm. uh and and it shows now and it's and 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 you know they're on the track for positive EBITDA. they're going into the u.s uh, with their sweet water um so so I, I definitely see an opportunity for them uh to continue growing um and then this you know some of the mid caps like uh, like i said before uh Bizam and uh yeah. flower and yeah supreme looks cool too I, I know they're riddled with a bit of debt uh i mean supreme's producing some good quality mm. uh but again, I don't know how, like, the, the market for dried flour is going to get to, and I've seen it before, I've seen it in Ontario, it's going to mm. be, all these players are going to be playing in that 25 to $29 price range in, in Ontario so. too. Um, so how can, how will they survive? Mm. That's the question. Right. Can they, right. can their cost structure support that pricing? Mm. Um, and that's where here in Quebec, where we you know, we think that we'll be able to achieve that is, mm-hmm. that, you know, we're the lowest cost of hydroelectricity in mm-hmm. the country. We're the lowest labor cost. Right. And those are my two, and those are my two inputs for cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't need, other than the facility, I need lights, I need yeah. electricity, I need yeah. heating, and I need people, right? right. Uh, my plants, uh, they grow, I'm not paying for any of my plants, so they grow, uh, they grow just as much. I have the mm-hmm. medium and my fertilizer that, mm-hmm. uh, that cost me, but otherwise than that, we have a low cost structure and a very, very lean management structure. Um, I think we're five um, uh, executives, uh, mm-hmm. including our VPs, and then the rest are, uh, you know, managers and, and uh, staff. It sounds like you guys are on the path to success. It sounds like you've waited it out to see what people were doing and what people were doing wrong. And I think it was a smart play. And the fact that you guys just, you said you just launched in February, like this February? Yeah, February twenty fourth. <laughs> That's awesome, and just to see your success to date. Yeah, I, I'm I'm super excited to see what you guys um, have coming out, and where where can I get your product? Can I get it in Ontario too? No, so you can get it at SQDC, but okay. uh, we're looking to um, the, just because the demand right now and at, at at our capacity. I mean, we're mm. currently growing in one hundred and thirty thousand square feet. We have six hundred twenty five thousand mm. square feet, so we have a lot of room to grow organically, vertically, internally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but right now, uh, like the demand in Quebec is 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 taking all of our capacity right, right? so right. Um, but I still want to introduce our brands to um, Ontario so I'm going to be working with Ontario <laughs> <laughs> I'll be working with Ontario to introduce um, some what they call treasure hunts mm. uh, so small run small run small batch um, uh, quantities uh, to, to, to see you know the Ontario market yeah. and see if we can if you know we can play in that market um, and then uh, yeah we'll move from there or um i'll just i'll text you my address right now if you want to send um (laughs) a couple gram sample that would be great um nicholas this was fantastic hey i I really appreciate you coming on talking about yourself talking about your brand um where can everybody find you on social media so social media we um i um i'm on instagram under nico underscore fire underscore fury um, and, but you can follow our, um, our Canara page, uh, on Instagram, Canara biotech and our brand pages, tribal, uh, nugs and orchid CBD. Uh, so we're very active on, uh, Instagram and, uh, as well as Facebook, but, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram seems where, um, you know, it's where the, the, the cannabis mar- uh, users and, and people like mm-hmm. to interact. So, yeah. um, we feel like it's a good social media platform to, uh, you know, tell them about our, what, you know, what we're up to and uh, what the brands and what drops are coming out there. Right on. I'm going to make sure to give you a follow. And, uh, like I said, I'll keep an eye on my, on my mailbox too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Cheers, Nicholas. 
make sure to drop Nicholas a follow if you want to hear more from him. And if you're in the Quebec area and you want to check out Canaro's products, they're all available at SQDC. And as always, if you want to hear more from me, you know my website, it's coffeecannabis.ca. And if you want to drop me a line, tell me how you liked the episode. If you had any thoughts, my Instagram is coffeecannabisca. I'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next time.